welcome into episode 101 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today, bada boom, bada bing, we have another breaking news edition of the Sources Say Podcast. Sean Smith is joining us once again of Go Big Blue Country. First off, Sean, how the heck are you? It's a beautiful day, Jack. I'm, uh, I'm doing well. I can't complain. You know what? That's that's what I like to hear. And uh, I don't think John Calipari is doing much complaining this week at all. Uh, after adding Ty Ty Washington, five-star guard in the class of 2021, on Wednesday evening, we now have another commitment from Georgia point guard Savir Wheeler, who announced his commitment today. Sean, we have talked about him uh, over the last couple weeks and more specifically on, you know, we, we talked about him on the Commitment Show on Wednesday, talking about Ty Ty Washington and kind of how he uh, ties in with everything. Ha ha, Ty Ty, how he ties in with everything. Uh, we talked, we kind of hinted at it earlier in the week that, that, that this could be something that could be coming down the pike here very soon. So this is kind of not necessarily a, a well-kept secret, but definitely something that uh, kind of ramped up later on in the week or earlier in the week. And then obviously as things went on, as we talked about in the last, last episode that he might've gotten a little bit of cold feet there for a minute and, and contemplated, you know, maybe going to Kansas or choosing one of his other options, but uh, he's back. He is officially signed, sealed, delivered a Kentucky wildcat, Sean, First off, before we get into the you know, nitty-gritty, nuts-and-bolts specifics of it all, uh, just immediate reactions on Savir Wheeler's uh, addition. It's a big deal, in my opinion. Kentucky gets exactly what it needs to go along with the other pieces on its roster. Uh, not your, you know, your typical John Calipari point guard. He's not going to hang on the rim on you or do explosive things like that, but he's going to set the table for success on the offensive end of the floor. I, th I think he's the perfect piece to kind of get the offense churning and moving, uh, especially with all these three-point shooters Kentucky has added with Ty Ty Washington now in the mix, uh, a guard that can do it off the bounce, a guard that can shoot the ball. Xavier Wheeler, Jack, out of all the guys out there, I, I just feel like it's the perfect fit alongside what Kentucky has. Is he the most talented point guard that was in the transfer portal or the most talented transfer? Absolutely not. But as far as what he does and how he impacts the game, he is perfect for Kentucky, and Kentucky currently is perfect for him. Yeah, I think that's the the easiest way to put it, uh, and that's kind of what we talked about when Ty Ty committed, knowing that this could be something that, that we should ne needed to keep our eyes peeled for, is that – Individually, Savir Wheeler committing to Kentucky before Ty Ty Washington, maybe if CJ Frederick didn't join or Kellen Grady didn't join, individually, kind of a nightmare scenario for Kentucky fans after dealing with what they saw this past season with, you know, lack of shooting and, and, uh, you know, all the issues and, and turnover struggles that came from the point guard position this past year. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it, we, we do need to talk about the flaws. This is a guy that averaged, uh, you know, 4.4 turnovers a game, shot just 39.9% from the field, 22.5% from three. Uh, he put up 14 points per game, but did so on 13 shot attempts per game. Uh, high usage rate, 25.2%. Uh, he took t 91 more shots than anyone else on, on the entire Georgia roster, but still finished ninth on the team in terms of total field goal percentage. Uh, and his 115 total turnovers was tied for second most in all of college basketball behind only Marvin Johnson of Eastern Illinois. Uh, so, 
Yes, there are, this is not a just, you know, perfect sunshine rainbow situation here that, you know, this is just the best players and sliced bread coming through and, and everybody should just be, you know, singing all praises and thinking that Kentucky's going 40 and 0 and all those things. But this is the perfect fit for what Kentucky had currently on the roster. Kentucky recently added Ty Ty Washington, who we've talked about, 41% three-point shooter uh, his last year, 88% from the free throw line, 48% overall. Uh, you know, won the Iverson Classic three-point contest. We saw him light it up. We know what type of shooter he is. Uh, you go down the list, C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, Kellen Grady, uh, they all shot 47.4%. 40% and 38.2% from three at the collegiate level this past season on a combined 13.2 attempts per from deep per contest. So, and we talked about, you know, high efficiency, high quantity type players. You needed somebody, and then that's not even factoring in Davion Mintz potentially returning as well. And, you know, Cal kind of referred to him as the dagger thrower this past season. And, and uh, you know, he, he had clutch shot after clutch shot. He kind of has that big, big shot gene in him. So, it, Given what every, given everybody else on the roster and who UK has already added, who they've returned, this is the it's the perfect fit. Kentucky needed somebody that could set the table for others, somebody that can make plays, somebody that could beat you off the dribble, make plays at the baskets, somebody that that could score at the rim, and, and that's exactly what Savir Wheeler is. And and we've kind of talked about his numbers a little bit in the past uh, in terms of of the good. Uh, he was the SEC leader in assists, 7.4 assists per, per game, led in, in assisted turnover ratio in the conference as, as well at 1.68. Uh, assist rate of 38.5%, Sean. I mean, that's just uh, – we haven't seen that at Kentucky in, in quite some time. He broke Georgia's single-season record with 193 assists to top the previous mark of 169 set in 1995. And I, I, you know, I was kind of crunching some of the numbers this morning. And if you look at – the all-time Kentucky numbers, his 322 career assists in two years at Georgia would rank 13th overall in Kentucky basketball history, and that's ahead of the likes of Larry Johnson, who had 319 in four years, Keith Bogans, 314 in four years, Andrew Harrison, 298 in two years, and Rajon Rondo, 285 in two years. Uh, and then his 193 assists this past season would tie Travis Ford and Anthony Epps on the single-season assist list behind only Tyler Eulis, John Wall, and Roger Harden. So there is a whole lot of good with this. I mean, we are – Kentucky has added the best playmaker in, in the SEC and arguably the best in, in all of college basketball. But they've also added a very turnover-prone player, somebody that struggles to shoot the ball. So there's – I understand some of the gripes on, on – from Kentucky fans we kind of saw this throughout his recruiting process and all that but when push comes to shove Savir Wheeler fits exactly with what John Calipari is trying to do this season and what he's already added uh, Kentucky needed sc shooting and scoring they've added plenty of that they and they also needed a complimentary piece they need somebody to initiate somebody to be the playmaker somebody to, to distribute and that's exactly who Savir Wheeler is Sean. Yeah, and there's a significant significant difference when it comes to turnovers. And, like, that's something I want to do over the next few weeks is kind of watch tape on him, like, full games and see what those turnovers were. Were they dead ball turnovers? Which a dead ball turnover, sure, it's a turnover, but it does not kill you because it doesn't allow the other team to get out on the break. But a live ball turnover, Jack, I mean, obviously those lead two points the other way. Uh, but Xavier Wheeler, 7.4 assists per game. Uh, I've, I've been – 
going back and looking through Kentucky's guards that played for John Calipari, John Wall averaged four turnovers yeah. a game his freshman season at Kentucky. I think he was about 6.5 assists, so Wheeler is ahead of that. I can live with the turnovers when you're talking about a guy that can get his own and can set the table seven, eight, nine times a game for other players. So that's kind of outweighing the bad uh, when you talk about his assist numbers. And I think that with the pieces Kentucky has and these shooters, I'm I'm not going to say that his assist numbers don't go up yeah. at Kentucky I if he ends so up playing enough minutes. Not saying it's going to get up to like, you know, double-double territory, but I could see it climbing to eight. Uh, and he's going to certainly have double-doubles. Like, I actually think that he will rank somewhere in that top three on the roster in double-doubles when the season's over. When you're talking uh, total number of games over the season, I think he had seven, if I'm not mistaken, this past season at Georgia. One of those was a triple-double. So we, we obviously know how hard that is to do. First one at Georgia, in Georgia history. We know UK hasn't had many of those. But this is a guy that from the backcourt can get you a double-double, has tri- triple-double possibility and capabilities because he rebounds his position so well, too. There were games, Jack, where he had 9, 10, 11 rebounds yeah. at five foot ten. So he's he plays bigger than what he is. He's about 180 pounds, really strong through contact, finishes well at the rim, really, really good burst in transition. Uh I'm not too worried about the turnover numbers. Does, do I, does John Calipari hope that dips? Absolutely. If he cuts that in half, fantastic. But we also got to remember what Kentucky just had on its roster this past season. Uh, Devin Askew and that assist to turnover number was, was not good. I think he only averaged a little more than two assists per game, if I'm not mistaken, over the course of the entire season. And the turnovers were right there around that number, too. You, you want a guy – if he's going to turn it over, there's got to be a divide there, too, with the assist. And you have that in Xavier Wheeler. Yes, the turnovers are high, but you know what else is high? The assist. So I, I can live with that a little. And I actually think that will be reined in at Kentucky. Get him in the system. Put these shooters around him. The Kellen Grady's, the C.J. Fredericks, the Dante Allen, the Ty Ty Washington. Uh, you expect those numbers one direction to go up. Because if you've got shooters, the assists are going to be high. And I also think that, too, I, I expect these turnover numbers to dip, too. And let's, uh, let's also not forget that Wheeler shot 47.2% overall and 32% from three as a freshman, only turned the ball over 2.9 times per contest uh, in a lesser role, 27.3 minutes per game, 19.7% usage rate as a freshman. So, and alongside better competition, right? Because Anthony right. Edwards was in the backcourt with him. Right. So think of those numbers when you're talking about his shooting and overall, uh, you know, impact on the game where he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot as Kentucky's lead guard. But you also need to remember that this is some of his numbers were skewed this past season because of the circumstance. Georgia flat out, they were mediocre at best. I think that'd be a very uh, polite way of putting it they were all uh, very mediocre not a whole lot of shooting around him not a whole lot of scoring help he felt the need to do all of it by himself and when you get into and, and I think I kind of use this analogy uh, last episode Sean we've all played pickup before where you were you know you got you got put on a team of a bunch of scrubs that that you know d- didn't live up to their expectations and and weren't the best teammates or whatever. And you kind of felt the need to just do it all on your own and just kind of bring the ball to the floor. And yeah, you kind of turned into a chucker. You uh, forced the issue, made stupid passes and try to fit the ball into, you know, tight quarters where it wasn't 
in the smartest play because you just kind of felt like you had to do it all by yourself. That's kind of where Xavier was this past season where he just kind of looked at it like I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the only one that can, that can make plays on this team. I got to do everything on my own. And his, his number suffered as a result. And I just don't, I just don't envision a scenario where he's at Kentucky this year and Cal doesn't get his hands on him and say, no, look, let's, you know, Jay, you know, Jay Lucas, uh, Chin Coleman, you know, the guys that have worked with guards that, you know, with elite coaching, I think they're be able, they're going to be able to get their hands on him and go, look, you are the most creative passer. Your court vision is just absolutely filthy. You can do things that nobody else in college basketball can do. And that, I think that was part of their pitch. You can do things that nobody else at this level can do. Let us take you to that next level. Because if he can get the other stuff figured out, he's an NBA player. And that's something that, you know, I talked to him before his decision and kind of leading up to things. And uh, he said, you know, yeah, his ultimate goal is is to go in the NBA. He's, he's testing the NBA draft waters. Um, that was something that he said, I want to go to college with the expectation of winning, I want to win a national championship. I want to com- compete for a national, contend for a national championship. But I also want to prove that you know, like I'm an NBA player. I don't want to, you know, just be a, a very good college basketball player. Yeah, it's one thing to be a, a second team All SEC type player and lead the SEC in assists and those sorts of stats. But he's like, I, I want to prove that I'm worthy of being an NBA talent. He thinks that he's an NBA talent, and the the raw skill is there. He just has to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, cut some of the fat there. Not literally, uh, but just in terms of of some of his his negative traits and some of his struggles and you know, turnovers and shooting issues, all of that stuff. If he can clean up some of that stuff, I think he's an NBA player, and I think that's kind of why he wanted to come to Kentucky was to prove I can do this on the big stage. I can prove that I'm an NBA talent and, and, and I can help lead a team to national championship heights. That was part of his pitch was I, I want to, I'm looking back at one of the quotes that he gave me. He said, I'm going to prove myself some more on a bigger stage and on a higher level. Hopefully that can catapult me to the next level, get in the NBA conversation, big stage, being able to contend for a national championship, final four playing style, playing fit, all those factors are, are factors I'll consider when making my decision. And then he said, I consider myself a dynamic playmaker, a guy who can make the right play. I'm not pass first. I'm not score first. I'm a guy that will make the right play every time. If the game calls for me to get 10 assists, 15 assists, four points, so be it. If the game calls for me to get 20 points and five assists, I'm going to do that too. I'm just trying to do whatever it takes to win the game. A guy uh, who can do it on both ends of the floor, I'm always looking to expand my game, work on areas I need to improve. So, Sean, this is a guy that, is coming in with a winning mentality, just wants to play winning basketball. And above all else, coming off a 9-16 and 16 season, the wor- arguably the worst in, in uh, Kentucky basketball history, you got to feel good about a kid that, that just wants to win. Yeah, you do. And that's what Paul Biancardi told me yesterday. You know, I, I mentioned that on the last episode of Sources to say that Kentucky is getting a winner, a guy that will do whatever it takes, regardless of how tough it is, uh, to to get in there and I actually I didn't mention that did I I was talking about Tata Washington that said well he said the exact same thing to me about Xavier Wheeler Jack as he said I, I really like this fit alongside Tata Washington when it comes to the backcourt is you got two dudes who are hard-nosed tough players that they don't have to be the guys shooting all the time the only reason Wheeler did that at Georgia is because he had to I don't think he's going to be in the top three when it comes to shot attempts at Kentucky, I, I honestly expect like a Kellen Grady or someone to lead them. 
and shot attempts this coming season. But when you're talking about overall numbers and how he's going to impact the game, he's going to impact it with his assist. He is going to impact it with his scoring because I do think he's going to be a double-digit scorer. And I think he's going to impact it on the defensive end with some steals, too. I think he averaged 1.7 this past season at Georgia. Uh, that's a pretty solid number there. So I expect him to get some, make some plays there. Uh, just, just a hard-nosed player with experience. That's the big thing for me is you're getting a Power 5 guard who led a Power 5 conference in assists. You don't do that unless you are pretty good at playing basketball. You don't just accidentally go in and lead the, the league in assists at Georgia. We know that Georgia doesn't have the best players in the league, Jack. If he can do that at Georgia, what can he do at Kentucky with better quality pieces around him? Uh, I just think it's a big move for Kentucky. And I, I think John Calipari has kind of checked off every box he needed to check this spring. And when it came to the transfer portal, it came to the high school route. It's, it's a perfect blend. I'm not ready to say that this team is Final Four caliber. I, I'm just not. I want to wait and see. What if what the final piece looks like? Is Keon Brooks a part of it? Is Davion Mintz a part of it? Do they add someone else? We don't know. But I'm really starting to like what Cal has put together. Starts with Xavier Wheeler. And for the first time, I actually think that Cal is not just looking at this and saying, let's we have to go get the best player out there. Because that doesn't always work well, Jack. Because the, he had to go get the best available fit. And I think that Cal is looking at this thing and sizing it up and saying, all right, you've got a Kellen Grady. That was, that was obviously piece number one after Oscar Shibway. And you go get a C.J. Frederick, you get a Tata Washington, and now who do I get that maybe isn't the best point guard or the best scorer, but I got the best fit for what we need on our team that is capable of doing these things that this team needs. And that is what Savio Wheeler does. I, I, I just get tongue twisted every time I say his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you brought up you brought up Davion Mintz there for a second, and I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of, of his decision now and where he fits into this puzzle. Because I do see a, a role for him as well as the kind of designated dagger thrower that yeah. Cal kind of put on him this past season. But when you look at the numbers, the fit. It, it, I would understand on his side of things if he looked at it and said, I don't know if there's a spot for me anymore. But I also understand on Cal's, Calipari's side of, of things if he were to look at him and say, no, here's what your role is. Here's what we could carve out for you. Uh, you know, let's, let's come back and, and let's get this sixth six year of college basketball. Uh, let's play in front of a, a rowdy, full 100% capacity Rupp Arena crowd, those sorts of things. I see the fit there, but I could also understand why there'd be some hesitancy on, on Davion's side of things. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. There's a role there, I think, if, if he wants it. I, I can see a role there, even with a crowded backcourt. And the only reason I say that is because I do think that Cal is committed to running three perimeter, three true perimeter players every single time they're out on the floor. Now, does that now Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin, if Keon is on this roster, they will buy some minutes at the three, depending on matchups. If you're talking defensive matchups, scouting reports, things like that. But for I think 85 to 90 percent of this season, Jack, it's going to be a true three look, three perimeter, three wing lineup. So then you can see a Dante Allen getting minutes. You could see C.J. Frederick, Kellen Grady, Davion Mintz in these pieces. I think there's a role there for him. Um, 
I think it all comes down to what does he want to do? You know, I, I don't think the NBA is at any point in Davion Mintz's future. I just don't think that's him. Uh, we're talking about an older guard here. We're talking about a, a pass that had some injuries. I think it comes down to does he want a normal season of college basketball at a blue blood program like Kentucky? Or is he does he see that option in the professional ranks right now that he can get? Or does he come back and maybe think that he can get a little higher? And I think it would be big for him if he did come back. I think it would be huge for Kentucky. It would certainly elevate them to me, a preseason top 10 team, if they get him. They're right there now on the cusp of it, in my opinion. Uh, Jeff Goodman actually had them at 11 after Tata Washington. I don't know where he has them after Sabir Wheeler, but you'd think they'd have to climb. I think the, I think everybody had Kentucky so low early on because obviously we had like, what, three or four dudes that we could talk about that we knew that were on the team, right. including the incoming freshmen. But as it starting to piece together, Jack, I think Kentucky's getting back to that top 10 preseason discussion. If they get Davey on men's back, then I think they get to that number of 12 scholarship players that I've been talking about for the last few weeks. And I'm not ruling it out yet. Uh, obviously, uh, when he made the decision a few weeks ago to declare for the draft, somebody told me that they, that they think he's gone. I don't think that's the case. Because remember, the person that told me that they thought he was gone didn't know that he was entering the draft they thought he was just announcing that he was leaving so I I don't know I think it's it's a tough one with him he's going to have to really look at this I don't expect it to be a decision anytime soon I think that this might linger into the summer and him look at it you know Cal's going to have conversations does he come back and just do some summer workouts and then decide I don't know how that works Jack but I think that Daniel Mintz certainly has a place we, we know John Calipari would put him on this roster every single year that he coaches at Kentucky if he could it seems like every other day they're putting out a new video of them at, at uh, you know, the practice updates. Here's what we're looking like in the, in the scrimmages and, and uh, you know, off-season summer workouts and those sorts of things. And they just keep – they keep including pictures of Isaiah Jackson, Davion Mintz, and Keon Brooks. And I just keep kind of keep going back like, are they doing this on purpose or is this just kind of a, a slight coincidence thing? And everything I've heard is, has said that Isaiah Jackson's gone – thought that we'd we'd hear something even sooner obviously the Clark thing happened and you know you don't know what a tragic death like that does to somebody you know could push somebody to come back could push somebody to you know say I need to go get you know my money now you never know what could happen life's too short you know those sorts of things you just never know what something like that does to somebody but I do find it really interesting that every time UK has had the chance to talk about those three kind of back and forth, you know, un, undeclared individuals, they, they keep including them in, in the, the scrimmages and the, in the workout footage and the, you know, pictures and those sorts of things. So that's something to definitely keep. I in don't, I don't think Isaiah Jackson makes it back to campus. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about these summer workouts and, you know, they put out the tweet yesterday, can't wait to have our guys back on campus. I don't think he's a part of that. I don't like I, you and I both think that. I think everyone thinks that. Now, would I be glad? I'd, oh, I'd gladly be wrong because I'd love to see Isaiah Jackson on this roster with these pieces. But as it stands, I just don't think that he. You're looking at it. Then you're talking Oscar Sheboy, Keon Brooks, uh, Damian Collins. That's when, if he comes back, I think someone would kind of have to leave. Yeah. So, but I will say this, and this is me not really know anything on the situation. 
I don't know why, but I have a gut feeling, Jack, that Davion Mintz might come back. I don't know how you feel about it. But just something in my gut just kind of tells me the way that it's kind of gone and everything. It, it just felt like if he was really leaving, he wouldn't have done the press release for the NBA draft and had the quotes saying, you know, if, if it's not, then you know, I'm open to coming back. If he weren't if he wasn't considering coming back, it would have just been a, you know, I'm going to do this. If I don't see that fit, then I'm going to play professionally overseas. I, that door was left open for a reason. And I don't know. Like, I just, I just have a gut feeling. I know Matt Norlander of CBS Sports uh, in one of his podcasts recently said something to the effect of, I fully expect Davion Mintz to return to college uh, and return to Kentucky. So that was something that kind of turned heads uh, both locally and nationally. But, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I just think something that Cal kept pushing over and over again is, dude, you have no idea what it's like to get the Rupp Arena full experience. And we just saw, you know, this week, uh, you, you know, the all the mandates are being lifted. They're going. It, it feels like we're getting back to some semblance of normalcy. Going Cincinnati into- Reds just announced 100% capacity beginning June 2nd. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying. That's just right up the road. Cal keeps saying, like, we want you to get the full Kentucky experience. You came here wanting that, and you didn't get that, and that's not fair to you. And, you, and he, they just kept saying, think about that, you know, those, those couple runs where you made the big shots and, uh, you know, you, you just caught fire and you was just heat checking yourself over and over again and drilling those shots. And you did that in front of 3,000 fans. Like, what's 3,000 fans going to do for you? Think about it, what would have happened – when Davion at Davion's biggest moments this past season, what would have happened if it were, were 24,000 strong at Rupp Arena? I mean, the roof would have come off. The roof would have came off. <laughs> and, and that's something that Cal has been kind of pushing him. And it, it, he's just said, look, you don't know what it's like to be a, re- you know, you don't know what it's like to walk across campus and, and have everybody just love you and say, oh, Davion, 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 we, you know, th- thanks for being here. The, the, you didn't get the good side of, of BBN this year. You didn't get the, the good side of, of the Kentucky experience, the on-campus Kentucky experience where you weren't locked in your dorm room for, you know, days on days, hours on hours, weeks on weeks sometimes trying to, you know, fight COVID and, and you know, s- try to not spread things and just kind of stay quarantined from everybody. Like, he didn't get a full Kentucky experience this past year, even though he kind of, you know, made a big name for himself as the dagger thrower and people loved him on social media and all that. He didn't get the full experience. And I think – at the end of the day, he'll realize, like, look, my NBA career isn't you – know, and I don't know if I have an NBA future. And, shoot, maybe if I come back next season and I prove to be that, and I think that's something Matt Norlander said, if, if he comes back this year and proves he can be that same player, make big-time shots, you know, still shoot at that 40%-ish clip from three, uh, you know, kind of up the efficiency a little bit, be that player, then maybe he does turn into an NBA player. Teams value the, that sort of, you know, kind of spark plug off the bench, just pure shooter, pure scoring threat. So, shoot, maybe he does turn himself into an NBA player. But I just think at the end of the day, he's going to look at himself in the mirror and go, you know what, the college, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. College is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I came to Kentucky because I wanted this. I didn't get this. And now I have an opportunity to do this. I almost wonder – if the news this week that things are going to be 100% opening up and, and that we're going to be good to go, I almost wonder if that's kind of something that he's keeping in mind. Like, you know what, all these kind of 
false, you know, the, the, the dreams that Cal's kind of selling me and the things I'm trying to talk myself into like, Oh, what if, what if it is like that now that there's some semblance of like concrete information that yes, things will be opened up 100% by the time college basketball season rolls around. I will be able to live out my dream of playing for a, a rowdy Rupp arena crowd. That'll, you know, the roof will come off the place whenever I hit my, you know, hit my peaks and, and go on my, my big runs. I think that's something that he's going to keep in mind. And I think at the end of the day, I agree. I think that's going to be something that pushes him back, even considering these decisions. And uh, I think it's also good news that Keon Brooks, I think Riley Welch went on KSR earlier this week and said something to the effect of every, every conversation I've had with him, he's never indicated that he wasn't, he wasn't coming back or he was going to transfer or anything like that. So no, there's only one move that Keon would leave for, in my opinion, is that, and that's if Isaiah Jackson came back because where does Keon fit in? Because you know Isaiah is going to start alongside Oscar Shibwe. Like that would yeah. be a given if those two are on that roster together. You still got Jacob Thompson there. That's the only way I think Keon doesn't come back. So as it stands right now, most confident thing, I would put Keon Brooks coming back. Yep. And then I would put Davion Mintz somewhere in that middle. 50, I honestly think it's 50-50. I'll, I'll go 55%. And then Isaiah Jackson, I'm going to go under 20, Jack. Like, that's just – I just don't see it unless he just doesn't like the feedback he gets. But Davion Mintz, uh, obviously, it would create create a scenario in the backcourt where fans, I think, would instantly think that Dante would be the name that's kind of pushed out of minutes. But – I just feel like the way that Cal's going to play next season, that it could truly work. And those guys, whoever that six guys in the backcourt, could still play double-digit minutes for most of the regular season. And if they're hot, could play even more. I just think you want options. And I really do think that Cal needs to fill this thing with 12 scholarship players. Like, I don't think 10 or 11 is enough. Go, go to 12. Yeah. And while we're on that topic, um, bringing up – Dante Allen, I talked to somebody close to Dante earlier this week, just kind of talking about the possibility of Xavier Wheeler. Uh, he kind of is like, you know, what do you think about the possibility of, you know, one of the best playmakers in, in college basketball kind of throwing the rock to Dante? It's going to, you know, that has to be exciting. And they're exciting. They said, uh, uh, I keep telling Dante it's a good opportunity for him. Um, the exact, hold on. Um, I just worked out with Dante and I'm telling you, he's a monster. He's stronger, bigger, and he's back doing his all around game. He's the best player in practice from day one. I can't wait to see it. Basketball can't get here fast enough. So there's, uh, you know, I, I think there's still a sense of hesitancy because I think it, the, the way this past year unfolded kind of, it, it, it did kind of throw them off a little bit with just kind of, you know, on a team that went nine and 16 and desperately needed shooting and scoring help, there was still a, there was still some hesitancy on Calipari's side to put him in the game at times and keep him in the games. And, uh, you know, we talked all season long about how there, you know, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't fair about how, you know, he was willing to keep some players in, but not others and so on and so forth that, you know, there were some frustrations there. And I think that did kind of scare them all as a whole, uh, but I do think, you know, barring something just kind of unforeseen where they kind of look at look at themselves and say, I just don't see a, a, a fit here. I think we're being recruited over, you know, those sorts of things. I do think that there's a lot of excitement on their part uh, to come back. And, and I do think that, that that's going to be 
uh, an awesome, awesome player to have back and, and somebody that you can be confident in to knock down shots and put points on the board, especially considering there's other shooters on the roster now and he won't be, uh, you know, kind of limited as the only guy on the roster where, you know, opposing defenses can kind of lock him in and, and kind of take him out of games because there's nobody else on the roster that can shoot or score. So that part's exciting. Definitely a lot to be excited about, Sean. Um, I, I kind of go for it. Just, just one thing I just want to add about the overall roster. Let's just assume that Keon Brooks comes back. With Given what we know right now, the way this roster looks, I like it because I can see a queer lineup here where, in my opinion, this would be my starting five that I think will roll out there on the first night. At, with, what it, with what the roster has now, I'd go Wheeler at the one. I think Ty-Ty goes at the two. Kellen Grady at the three. Keon Brooks at the four, Oscar Shibwe at the five. And then you're talking about a six, seven, eight, nine that in, could include C.J. Frederick, uh, Jacob Toppin, Dante Allen, uh, Damian Collins. you you got all these pieces there. If, if Davion Mintz comes back, then you really like six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. I don't think Cal's going to play 11 like he did last year. I don't think he's going to have to play that many guys. He might do it early in the season to kind of see who works their way into the rotation. Uh, I don't want to sleep on Lance Ware, though, Jack, because we've talked a lot in the last couple of days about Damian Collins and where he's at. I actually think that Ware's going to have to do some more things than what he did last year because I just think that they're going to need that physical presence. If Oscar gets in foul trouble, I, I honestly think Ware's going to have to bomb some minutes here or there, and, and that would be the perfect role for him. If, if there's a game where he has to play 17, 18 minutes a game due to foul trouble, I think that would be the perfect role for him as a sophomore and a, a guy you want in your program moving forward too, that I think could move into a bigger role as they move into those upperclassmen years of junior and senior. Uh, but I, I'm starting to like the way this roster really, really looks, especially when you talk about the dynamic of the shooters, you have face up fours when Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin, if Keon comes back, I, I, I like the way this thing looks and you got the bully big and Oscar Sheboy that just a tank down there at 260. Yeah, I think, at the end of the day, the cream rises to the top. I think Cal needs to be done with, you know, stroking egos and trying to figure out, uh, you know, I, I have to play this player because they had these expectations coming in and blah, blah, blah. I think that this year after going through what they did this past year, I think it's going to need to be a look. You are what you are. This is what it is you know, we're going to give you your chances. And, and I do want him I, – I, I still think the, the Cam Fletcher situation last year where, you know, he got, what, 20 minutes game one and played so well and he started game two and then got, you know, coach's decision, DNP, the third game. You know, the, that level of fluctuation where the players just have no idea what to even expect going into it, I think that was overkill and I, I just don't think that was handled very well. <laughs> you mean but, – you mean Lance Ware playing a ton of minutes at Starkville and then not playing for stretch of games, and then he has to play a ton against Mississippi State in the SEC tournament? Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. It had more to do with foul trouble when it was in his case. But that's just so much inconsistency that I don't think that these guys were able to kind of get a, like get their footing and establish a, a true role. But the biggest difference for me, Jack, is the guys that he, he is bringing in. I think that they see their role before they ever step foot on campus. Yeah. Like to me, and, and C.J. Frederick might surprise us to start and average 15, 16 points a game. He was going to possibly be Iowa's best player this season. But something tells me that if he's given that up, he knows his role at Kentucky 
and it might be off the bench. The perfect thing for me would be him being their sixth man. Yeah. If that if Kentucky gets to that, and he's their sixth man, you're talking about a sniper. One of the best in college basketball coming off your bench, and there will be nights where he might play 30 plus minutes, depending on the situation, depending on the scouting report, the opponent. Uh, there's versatility on this roster, but the, the one common denominator across that two and three position is you've got dudes that can flat out fill it up. The floor is going to be space. Kentucky is going to spread you out. Xavier Wheeler is going to be able to get downhill, get two feet in the paint, and Kentucky is going to wreak havoc on the offensive end. Sean, I think you you sound like you're in the most peaceful place on earth right now. With the birds chirping and just the, the wind blowing, it sounds just absolutely heavenly wherever you are right now. So I, uh, we'll, we've, we've talked enough, uh, plenty of good <laughs> stuff to, to discuss. I'm going to let you get back to your, your peaceful bit of heaven. I'm, and- in, I'm in the state of Kentucky, Jack. That's just the birds singing. Uh, their praises today for John Calipari putting this thing together and Kentucky fans finally seeing a path to a roster. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, with that, we'll get the heck out of here. Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Yeah.